Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to the latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. This is Tuesday, March 6th, and I am, for the very first time, uh, very pleased to be bringing the show to you from the headquarters of the National Charities Aid Foundation of America, the leader in cross-border philanthropy. So it's uh, terrific to, uh, to be here uh, at this organization and to be here live with you here on The Nonprofit Coach. We have a really big show today. I'm going to sh- uh, share with you a little bit of an audio clip, and I'll explain to you why today's show is so big. want to do special for you is to celebrate with you the big second anniversary of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. And I am absolutely thrilled uh, here on uh, today's show uh, to welcome back uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach the very first guest we ever had here on the Nonprofit Coach, Mark Sutton. Hello. Welcome back here to the Nonprofit Coach. Mark, are you there? Ted, can you hear me okay? Uh, now I can hear you. Maybe you have Ted, us on hold a little bit. Uh, hey, uh, second anniversary. Happy birthday to Nonprofit Coach, but uh, thank you for coming back on. You were our very first guest back before anybody knew what the Nonprofit Coach was. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on, on two years. I mean, I remember kicking this off, and, uh, I mean, you really, you know, I, I'm a regular listener as well, and it's just, you know, it's an amazing thing that you've built here, and I'm uh, really proud to have been uh, on the first show, and uh, uh, you know, congratulations on your success, and, and also congratulations on, on your new role. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to uh, be the CEO here of the uh, Charity Aid Foundation of America, and we will be continuing the radio show. I think it's an important community service, and Certainly uh, an important voice to the nonprofit sector. The podcasts are uh, just increasingly uh, popular uh, every single week. But, uh, uh, Mark, you're a leader in, uh, uh, in your own right uh, and uh, I, in one of the uh, 
uh, articles that were written about uh, my becoming CEO here. I think it was uh, uh, one of the uh, the UK publications referred to me uh, as a, a digital online pioneer. And I see in your bio over at Artez. Uh, dot com. Your bio says that you are a digital pioneer, and I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you, you have uh, been around uh, about as long as uh, I have, a little bit more. Uh, and uh, so, uh, quick before uh, we have to uh, head over to some of the other folks that are going to be chatting with us today, uh, what's new over at Artez. dot com? Well. Just quickly, you know, a few things that we've been working on. Uh, we were um, whitelisted uh, back in the fall as one of uh, the first 60 uh, developers to work on Facebook's new timeline apps. And when they launched those in January, uh, we were uh, among those 60 and uh, have a, a, a fundraising app for the timeline. Uh, but one of the things that we uh, really discovered as part of that process is really the power of what Facebook is bringing forward with, with timeline and, and the open graph. And uh, we've got some exciting things planned, uh, really in terms of, 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 of extending uh, uh, the fundraising in a multi-channel sort of environment. It's one of the things you've really been talking about and I think spearheading over the last couple of years, Ted, which is really the integration not only between online and offline, but also social and mobile. They're becoming very important channels. And uh, it's something that uh, you know, is, is a focus of what we're doing here at Artez in terms of helping organizations and people fundraising. But I also want to compliment you because I think it's something that you've really been uh, you know, at the forefront of as well, really uh, you know, helping organizations understand the importance and how these things work together. Yeah, well, uh, keep up the, uh, the great work. We look forward to having you back on the show to really explain. There's, there's a lot that's out there printed about Timeline uh, and certainly helping charities all over the world understand uh, how these tools can be used, should be used, and uh, where they fit uh, in the overall success of their organization. Mark Sutton, uh, President and CEO at uh, Artez and the very first guest uh, of the very first Nonprofit Coach radio show and now the very first guest here on our second anniversary. Thanks for calling in. Great, Ted. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. Yeah, we've got a number of folks uh, that uh, are calling in uh, today, and I, I cannot thank uh, them enough. Anybody that uh, uh, knows uh, anything about me knows that uh, I am a baseball fan. Uh, here on <coughs> page one, as always, you can uh, always follow along with the page one radio links over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Uh, and uh, so it is spring training, and anybody who is a baseball fan is following uh, their teams to see how they're doing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm glad to say that, you know, uh, my American League team uh, won uh, uh, their first uh, preseason opener yesterday, so that, that was good news. Uh, but uh, that all leads up to the merger of philanthropy. Major League Baseball is happening, and it's happening over at Karma 411. And I've got uh, the president here, John Murcott. Thanks for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Hi, Ted. It's a pleasure, and congratulations again on your first year. Oh, that's uh, that, that's great. Well, you know, second year here of Nonprofit Coach, and uh, thrilled to be here at the Charities Aid Foundation of of America. You've got exciting things uh, happening. Um, so, talk to me uh, about this convergence of Major League Baseball and philanthropy. Absolutely, and uh, appropriately enough, Ted, I am actually down in Florida now near the Nationals uh, Spring Training Center. So uh, uh, You're saying that um, just I'm because living you want it. me to hate you today on our anniversary show, that I'm not down uh -huh. there with you. But um, over in the radio links today, we have provided a link to a terrific 
uh, site that you've uh, created. Tell us what's going on uh, with Major League Baseball, uh, and I think this uh, ties into the All-Star Game this year. It does, and as uh, some of your listeners might know, when they have the All-Star game, it's actually a series of events, the game itself, but then there's walks and there's other types of uh, activities, and what they try to do is associate those activities with the cause. So uh, in the next uh, 5K, it's in Kansas City, uh, next year, the All-Star game, they are raising money for three cancer organizations, uh, the Season G. Komen, Prostate Cancer Foundation, and Stand Up to Cancer. And what they do is they blend the rest of the website that MLB puts together for the five, the five the, excuse me, the all-star game and incorporates the registration process and the participation process for the walk within the rest of the site. So what we try to do at Karma 411 is, is twofold when people are raising money for, these, for causes like these cancer organizations. The first one is we try to make it personal. We want the look and feel and the experience and all of the branding to look like the actual MLB website. So if people check out allstar5k-mlb.com, they'll know what I'm talking about. And we do we have also a link over make... in the radio links uh, oh, today perfect. at tedhart.com for anybody that didn't get uh, uh, that, that written down. It's a terrific-looking uh, uh, site, and, uh, and, of course, it, it carries forward um, the American League versus the – the National League. The American League is way out ahead. Yes. The guys talk to <laughs> the from there at the National Training Camp uh, to say they got to get in there and start making some donations. So, uh, right. so this is a donation platform uh, that uh, is connected to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Kansas City. That's right. But the, the point that you brought up is another big part of this, where we try to make the fundraising both fun and competitive. So we love this idea of having a scoreboard on the main page that shows the activity, which uh, league is raising the most money, and we have an all-star breakdown on the homepage so people can upload their picture, and as they're raising money, they actually will get their picture right on the homepage. Now, the other fun part for the participants, the people that are raising the money, is they actually get their own URL on the MLB site. So if you're a Major League Baseball fan, it'd be very cool to tell your friends that if you go to the Major League Baseball website and go to my page, uh, they have a page that kind of looks like a player's page, if you will. So uh, that's, that's a fun that's part. Very, of, very cool. And this is all yeah. uh, stuff that's built on the Karma 411 uh, platform uh, and is an opportunity right. for folks, as you said, to uh, to support Stand Up to Cancer, Susan Komen, and the Prostate Cancer uh, Foundation. Uh, John Murcott, right. great job. And, uh, and, and of course, I'm thrilled that uh, philanthropy and Major League Baseball are coming together. Thanks for calling in today here on the Big Anniversary Show. Great. Thanks, Ted. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. That's uh, John Murcott, uh, president over at karma411.com, joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach for the Big Anniversary Show. Um, next up here on uh, the, the Nonprofit Coach is just a, a friend of ours uh, who's been on uh, the show before and is calling in just to uh, bring us up to date. I'm going to be up at the AFP New Jersey uh, chapter on Thursday at uh, the uh, very uh, important Whitley Lecture. Uh, joining us today is Michael Baker. Uh, Michael, how are you today? Hey, Ted, doing well, doing well. Listen, congratulations. Uh, happy second anniversary of your radio show. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Well, thank you. It's been uh, a great two years. Lots of fantastic uh, guests 
uh, along the way. Uh, you and I have one other thing in common. We're both Eagle Scouts. That is true. That is true. I believe your son is also an Eagle Scout. My son is also an Eagle Scout. Yeah, absolutely. We also have something else in common. You're the president, the current president of the AFP New Jersey chapter. I'm the uh, former president of the uh, AFP Maryland uh, chapter. Uh, but we're not talking about all of that today. We're talking about the Whitley Lecture. What is the Whitley Lecture, and uh, how can folks who might like to come out and uh, 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 see us and, and hear this uh, lecture in New Jersey, where will they go, and how can they join us? Well, well, Ted. First, um, thank you very much for for having us come on and promote. And the the uh, it is very exciting. Um, congratulations to you for being named the CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. And oh, I understand thank you. this I'm is your first lecture great, um, since being named CEO. Work in uh, cross border philanthropy here. Uh, so really, uh, thank you for mentioning that. Now, well, my pleasure. My pleasure. We're we're looking forward to. Um, we've got a a large turnout on Thursday morning, and if folks want to sign up, they can go to AFT-NJ.org and just click on the Whitley Lecture. Terrific, and terrific. And we do have a one of our link over in the radio links today for anyone who didn't get that. That's uh, at tedhart.com. Click on, on radio links. How's uh, registration looking? Registration looks good, looks good. Normally for uh, this type of event, we're we're somewhere in the 30s, and right now we're in the 50s, which is good for us. So, wow, so you've um, almost uh, doubled the number. Well, I'm thrilled uh, to have this opportunity. Just before I uh, let you go here, uh, this is a named lecture. Um, tell us a little bit about why this is called the Whitley Lecture. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I think in philanthropy and all of us that are involved in philanthropy, it's, it's nice to see um, the results of the acts of philanthropy. The founder of the, the AFP chapter in New Jersey, its first president, Frank Whitley, um, left in his will a bequest to the chapter so that we would continue his legacy on an annual basis uh, with the Whitley Lecture where we would, uh, we would have an educational opportunity to our members. And this is made possible through someone's generosity in the, in the ultimate way, um, through their will, through bequest. And um, we do this every year. Um, Frank, I remember Frank when I was much younger, and uh, he was a fantastic fundraiser, uh, a great example of leadership. And his legacy carries on um, infinitely with the Whitley Lecture, and we're really excited to see you on Thursday morning. Well, I, I'm, I'm so honored to have the opportunity to, uh, to be asked to lecture at, at such an important named lecture uh, in the AFP family. So thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad registration is looking so strong, and I encourage all of my listeners to consider uh, registering and coming out uh, in New Jersey, and that's uh, in Edison, New Jersey. Is that correct? That is correct. That's in Edison, New Jersey, um, at the Pines Manor. So walk-ins are, are welcome as well. Oh, walk-ins so, uh, are welcome. That's great. Uh, this is uh, Michael Baker calling in. He's president of the AFP New Jersey chapter. And, Michael, I look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Looking forward to it, Ted. Thanks so much. You bet. I'm heading right back here on page one news. You'll find over in the radio links, uh, it looks like Jumo, Jumo.com, is throwing in the towel. We've talked about that several times here on the show. Um, the only reason why I thought Jumo had any value at all uh, was that it was connected uh, to uh, Facebook co-founder Chris Hughes, but Chris Hughes, uh, who thought uh, he was going to uh, uh, make a big splash in the nonprofit sector, failed to do that, and uh, we're sorry to hear that. Uh, they've thrown in the towel. They have now been acquired by good.com. You can read all about that. Uh, this will drop Jumo from uh, our top uh, six pillars of success online. We had matched that up 
because of the future promise of Jumo, we have matched that up with uh, Facebook that will now drop Jumo off uh, the radar screen for your top levels of success. But what we do have here in terms of the top pillars of success, just remind those of you who may be new or those who have been with us for a while, is that uh, the top pillars of success starts off with a strong website, uh, easy to navigate with lots of unique content, uh, and a strong email service. The number two uh, most important strategy for charities in uh, the United States uh, is a guide star strategy. Uh, here today to help us celebrate the big second anniversary show and to remind uh, all of my listeners today why GuideStar is so important and why I've named it as the second most important strategy for U.S. charities is Jose Fernandez, who is here with us uh, from GuideStar Exchange. Jose, how are you today? Very good. Uh, thank you for having me on the show again, Ted. Well, Jose, uh, Jumo.com drops off from the top six uh, 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 pillars of success list today, but you folks remain number two. Uh, I've explained on this show many times why I think GuideStar is so important for the opportunity uh, to reach out to high net worth individuals, foundations, and corporations. But why don't you uh, tell my listeners uh, uh, very quickly today, why is GuideStar so important and what is GuideStar Exchange? Of course we'll do, but before we get started, I just want to say congratulations on your second anniversary and continued success. Of your oh, thank you, Jose. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it, it's just it's a little surreal to be sitting here realizing that we've we've completed two years of uh, of this show and how many fantastic guests, uh, uh, including uh, yourself and folks from uh, GuideStar that we've had over the last two years. So thank you for your well wishes. We uh, we accept those today. Yeah, we're all big fans here, and uh, thank you for always including the GuideStar Exchange program. Uh, just to remind the two nonprofits, uh, GuideStar Exchange is the program at GuideStar where we allow nonprofits to claim their uh, public profile and update the information. The information that's uh, updated onto the GuideStar profile gets streamed to many partners, and you've mentioned many of them before on your show, uh, such as Network for Good, Just Give, uh, Schwab, and many others uh, use GuideStar information to power their website. So if you're up-to-date on GuideStar, you're up-to-date on many websites uh, th throughout the, uh, the uh, nonprofit universe. And, and not only is it important, and we're going to talk in a second about why GuideStar is so important, but you have created a very easy way uh, for charities to provide up-to-date information on multiple platforms by just signing in to GuideStar.org. So once we're at GuideStar.org, uh, why should charities care about earning the GuideStar Exchange Seal approval? Well, one, it is a symbol of transparency. Go to GuideStar.org, click on Update Nonprofit Report, and two, because the information that's updated on GuideStar.org gets streamed to so many partners out there. Being up-to-date on GuideStar means being up-to-date on donation sites like Just Give, on uh, donor advice funds, on sites like Fidelity and Schwab. It is extremely important to be up-to-date on, on GuideStar. Now, this is free of charge for charities to be able to update this information, but is it complicated? Is it way too difficult for the average charity to actually succeed with this? It is not, actually. We've worked very hard uh, last year and, and, and in the, the first part of this year to make it even easier. We've made it a, a lot easier to update your board and senior staff information. we made it a lot easier to take information from other documents and, and post them in, and we're continuing to, to improve that. We're continue uh, to work this year to make the form even easier for nonprofits to complete. Well, as I say, I've said many times, GuideStar.org is the 
second most important uh, strategy for U.S.-based charities because of the information that's provided and because of the outreach that you have to so many important platforms that are used on a regular basis by high net worth individuals, foundations, and corporations. And how do we know that that's the case? What is your hit rate? What is the utilization rate, which just continues to grow over at GuideStar? Wow, that's that's amazing. We have millions of folks that come to GuideStar every year. I, I believe somewhere um, in, in the range of the upper 90s uh, percent is, is, is the range of, of uh, of uh individuals that use the public profile at GuideStar. Um, it, it's just an uh, astronomical number. We have literally millions of people that, that come into GuideStar, and not just individual donors, but we have uh, foundations and many uh, uh, professional uh, uh, donation uh, uh, individuals that come into GuideStar every year. And that's, I was just going to mention that. That's also one of the most important reasons why this GuideStar um, strategy has soared to being number two, uh, more important than LinkedIn, more important than Facebook, um, Twitter, and other strategies that we have in the top six. Um, and that is because it, you almost can be guaranteed that if you submit a grant proposal, that foundation is going to go to GuideStar. They're going to use GuideStar to obtain independent verifiable information uh, from GuideStar because you receive information from the IRS. Um, and that's one of the, the most important things for charities to understand is that without a GuideStar strategy, it may be not even worth it to submit grant proposals. Thank you. It's such kind words. It, it, it's always great to be on the show. And, it, and it's, again, thank you so much for always mentioning uh, the GuideStar program. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, uh, to, to do that. You're always welcome here, uh, Jose Fernandez and your colleagues uh, over at GuideStar. We do have a link directly to the GuideStar Exchange information for nonprofits available today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Thanks for joining me here on the Nonprofit Coach today, Jose Fernandez. Thank you. You bet. Uh, next up here, we're just going to wrap up the, uh, the page one uh, news here over in the radio links. You'll also find <clears throat> a link over to our uh, uh, survey that we're doing, and we encourage everybody to go and take uh, the survey. What president of the United States has done more uh, to support philanthropy, and uh, it's a heated race uh, for number two, uh, but just squeaking out uh, barely in the lead now is Jimmy Carter um, is, uh, is squeaking out a little bit ahead of Franklin Roosevelt, uh, who was ahead last week. So uh, no votes yet at all for uh, Lyndon Johnson or George W. Bush. Uh, if your favorite president uh, has not been voted for, you want to add your vote, you can do that at tedhart.com. The survey is right on the home page. Uh, next up here in the radio links, you'll also find uh, coming to us from CNET um, is Social Media Week in Review, what you may have missed. A couple of things that I want to just uh, draw your attention to <clears throat> over, in, uh, over at uh, CNET um, is the article that you can find at uh, tedhart.com. Uh, and what they are m mentioning today is, of course, uh, some additional changes that are happening over at Facebook. Um, the uh, fine folks at Artez Interactive are always on top of that, and uh, um, uh, Mark Sutton had mentioned to th that us earlier today. Um, and also Mashable, one of the smartest websites on the Internet, Mashable.com, also points out in this article 48 digital media resources that you may have missed. Excellent article by Matt Patronzio, uh, don't miss this article that's posted on CNET, 
available to you over at tedhart.com. Click on the radio link. Uh, and with that, we wrap up uh, the, the, uh, the page one news, which means it's time for page two. today to uh, bring here on the Nonprofit Coach Big Anniversary Show, second anniversary. Uh, it's wonderful to share this day uh, with someone who is also celebrating her new appointment. Ava Aldrich, CFRE, is here with us on the Nonprofit Coach. She is the new President and Chief Executive Officer at CFRE, CFRE International, uh, the granting body for the globally recognized CFRE fundraising credential. Uh, in 2001, CFRE introduced its new multinational uh, certification exam. The development process for the exam uh, consumed two years and involved research in eight countries involving nearly 3,000 uh, fundraising professionals. Thanks to that effort, CFRE International now stands poised to fully realize its role as a truly global credential. One of the reasons what we want to talk to uh, Ava Aldrich today is because philanthropy is exploding everywhere around the world, growing rapidly in Africa, Eastern Europe, and Asia. Um, we're very excited to, uh, uh, to have uh, Ava Aldrich uh, joining us uh, here today before becoming the CFRE Chief Executive. Uh, Ava Aldrich was Associate Director of Public Service at the Fundraising School at the Center on Philanthropy at Indiana University, a role in which she was teaching and meeting with top global leaders of our profession. Her recent accomplishments include serving as interim manager of the editor of Giving USA uh, 2001. Of course, we're very proud here on the Nonprofit Coach that each of the last two years, the uh, fine folks at Giving USA have chosen the Nonprofit Coach as the radio um, release of their information. She is co-editor of the third edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, of which I'm very proud to have authored a chapter uh, in that uh, in incredibly important book and you can purchase that book at tedhart.com. Just click on books uh, for today. Our page two expert is Ava Aldrich, CFRE. Thank you for joining us here on The Nonprofit Coach. It's my pleasure, Ted. How are you today? I am doing really, really well. Um, this is our second anniversary, and of course we're thrilled to have the opportunity to celebrate that uh, with you uh, as uh, the new president and CEO at CFRE. Of course, CFRE is one of the most important organizations in our profession. Uh, anytime that uh, there is a new CEO, we want to get an opportunity to get to know you, Ava. We want to get a chance to learn even more about CFRE International and the CFRE credentials. So uh, I did a little bit of an introduction of you, but uh, tell me a little bit more about Ava uh, and why you sought out this role as president and CEO. All right. Well, thank you, Ted. And before I get started, I would just add, like to add to the chorus of congratulations to you for this second year of success with your show and also for your new role at Charities Aid Foundation of America. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to have this opportunity. We're both uh, just getting started in our, in our new positions. Uh, what drew you to CFRE International? You know, CFRE is an organization that I really believe in. Uh, I first certified in 2001. 
And it's made a huge difference to me, both uh, professionally and personally, just in terms of uh, helping my professionalism, my career advancement, and also really my grounding in what it means to be a fundraiser uh, and uphold the highest standards of, of competence and ethical practice in the profession. Um, building on that, I got involved with, with CFRE in volunteer role starting in 2008, served on the exam committee. And this last year then, I was privileged to serve on the board of directors. So my knowledge of the organization uh, over the years that it, as it has grown has just made me grow in my admiration for the organization and the importance of the credential. Um, seeing from the inside the rigor that CFRE goes through to make certain that we have a valid, you know, psychometrically sound exam that adheres to the standards of the National Commission for Certifying Agencies is just something that I think is really, you know, important and uh, for the profession. Well, here on this show, we certainly uh, agree with you. I agree with you. I think CFRE uh, is extremely important. I'm, I'm proud of uh, uh, the fact that uh, I was I served on the finance committee that was charged with. Uh, evaluating the separation of CFRE from AFP, uh, and uh, I was one of the deciding votes uh, to say yes, separation should happen, and then went on to uh, be uh, to raise the money for the very first CFRE.org website. So way back when uh, that first website was built uh, with charity, uh, charitable money as well. But there are lots of uh, people who, um, over the years and certainly more recently, have. Uh, have sort of stepped up their criticism of, of CFRE. And at the same time, CFRE has sort of doubled down on um, expanding uh, the, the, uh, the exam process and uh, looking around the world to emerging markets. Um, what do you say as, as CEO when someone um, shows criticism of, uh, of CFRE and its longevity? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important that anytime there is criticism that we listen and engage in a constructive dialogue. I find personally that a lot of times some of the um, criticism can stem from a confusion regarding the CFRE process, which is an assessment, and certificate programs, which are educational experiences. I think it's one of those distinctions that it's, it's easy sometimes not to distinguish that both of those functions serve a role. Because, you know, naturally, we all in the profession want to make the profession stronger, more knowledgeable, you know, improve our best practices as, you know, times change and we learn more. Uh, with the CFRE credential, you know, we are an assessment process. We require a minimum of five years of professional experience to sit for the exam. And as an independent third-party uh, exam organization, you know, we establish mastery and competence through use of an exam, which is psychometrically valid and tested and based on the job analysis that you mentioned earlier, so that that way we really you know, have that base of professional practice-based knowledge to build on. And we ask people then to also recertify to make certain that they are staying current as they pro progress through their professional And that's part of, part of what uh, the, the, the whole certification process seeks to do is to make mm -hmm. sure that those who hold the credential are staying abreast of uh, the most important changes in the marketplace. Right, and I think that's one of the real values of the CFRE, that when you see someone with CFRE after their name, 
that you know that they are you know attending professional education they are serving their communities they are staying current in all aspects of what it means to be a fundraiser now that does not mean that people without the CFRA are not doing that but i think that you know demonstrate commitment to ongoing um, education is an important part of the CFRE credential. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely uh, agree with you. Now, t tell us uh, a little bit more about CFRE International. What is sure. the international aspect uh, of, of CFRE? Because it started uh, with a group of um, established associations who came together. Is that right? Yes. Basically, the CFRE credential was born out of a partnership between AFP and AHP. And um, it started back in the 1980s, the, the sort of genesis of the credential. And as you mentioned, in 2001 then, CFRE was uh, spun off as an independent organization. So that way we, we can offer that sort of third-party credentialing. Um, we offer the exam in five different countries. We have four different versions of the exam, one for the United States, one for Canada, one for the United Kingdom, and one for Australia and New Zealand. So certainly, you know, since that beginning of the exam, the reach of CFRE has expanded. And, you know, we find in the areas where we are that it is valued because of the you know, sort of the, the base of knowledge and the real sort of understanding that comes through with a job analysis that much of what we do as fundraisers truly is universal in application, you know, whether you are in, you know, Australia or Kenya or another part of the world, you know, the basic of, basics of relationship building, of you know, approaching our profession ethically, you know, those are things that really undergird the profession no matter where you are. Well, that's why I wanted to uh, learn a little bit more about sort of the exam process because you're mm -hmm. someone who sees the big picture. You know, someone who's sitting for the exam in Canada or the United States or Australia sees the exam in, in that country that, that uh, they're sitting for for the exam. Overall, what would you say the percentage of common knowledge would be between all the various exams and, and therefore what percentage is unique to each country setting? Mm -hmm. Well, our job analysis shows that probably about 80% of fundraisers' knowledge is common no matter where you are in the world. Uh, so really what differentiates the various sort of localities is more in terms of the regulations and standards that are governmentally imposed. So there is where we really have the differences in the various sorts of the exams. So one of the biggest differences is the role of government uh, in that process. Yes, and things, you know, what are the regulations? What can you and can you not do? Also, what are the sources for charitable information in the various countries? Now, here in the United States, we have Giving USA. You know, other countries also have their own sources for finding out more about the environmental or the environment in which fundraisers are operating. Yeah, and and that and that is important in an exam situation to make sure that that base knowledge, regardless of country, is there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one reason why anyone who seeks to get the CFRE credential you know, uh, would be well served to look at the test content outline that's posted on our website at www.cfre.org. 
there. We're going to take just a really quick uh, break, Ava. When we come back, I do want to get into how someone can can apply and some of the uh, details that are available on your website. We'll be right back uh, with Ava Aldrich, the brand new uh, president and CEO of CFRE uh, International. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Before we uh, head back with uh, Ava Aldrich, I do want to take the opportunity to just have you mark your calendars uh, next Tuesday here on The Nonprofit Coach, 12 noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific time uh, here in the United States. We will have Margaret Battistelli, who is the uh, uh, editor and chief executive at uh, the Fundraising Success Magazine, one of the smartest people in our industry. Certainly her magazine uh, covers uh, some really terrific uh, titles for uh, this industry. Uh, next up uh, on March 20th, a wonderful author, uh, Emily Davis, is going to be here uh, with us. She has written the book Fundraising and the Next Generation, Tools for Engaging the Next Generation of Philanthropists, and this is uh, part of the AFP Wiley book series, and therefore March 20th will be AFP Wiley Radio Day here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, next up, rounding out the March uh, schedule will be on March 27th, another terrific uh, author, Sandy Rees, will be here with us, uh, and she has recently authored Get Fully Funded. Of course, everybody needs to get uh, fully funded, and Sandy Rees is the expert to help you learn uh, how to do that. Today, uh, the expert uh, that we have with us uh, is Ava Aldrich, and uh, as you're out there trying to get fully funded, as you're out there trying to raise money uh, from the next generation, one of the things you should have on your to-do list uh, is to move towards becoming a certified fundraising executive. Uh, Ava, how many CFREs are there? Right now, there are a little over 5,300 worldwide. That's a dramatic growth in just the last few years. What would you uh, attribute that success to be? Well, I think a lot of it is just simply that as fundraisers, we're a dedicated bunch, and we want to make certain that we are growing professionally and serving the uh, the organ or the rather the profession well. And by engaging in voluntary certification. I think we really are stepping forward as individuals to say we take fundraising seriously, we are proud of what we do, we are dedicated to continuing to get better in our professions and serve our donors better, and this is that outward sign of that. Now, let's get down to brass tacks here. Mm -hmm. How do do you apply? To apply, you just need to go to our website at www.cfre.org and set up a free account where you can start recording your experience. Because in order to be able to sit for the exam, you do have to have a minimum of five years of full-time experience. Or in recognition or recognition that times are changing, we also now allow those with a minimum of eight years of at least half-time experience in, in, of paid employment in fundraising to sit for the exam. I think that's an important uh, change because you know, the whole notion of what is uh, full-time uh, employment these days is is changing. 
Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right, and that's one of the ways we're trying to be responsive to the market out there. Because while we definitely you know, are committed to upholding the standards needed for credentialing, um, you know, as you know, times are changing. People want to be able to have a better work-life balance. Also, the job market is shifting. Uh, so we want to make certain that we are not excluding um, those dedicated professionals whose work circumstances aren't necessarily the, the typical um, you know, full-time employment. Now I uh, uh, passed my first CFRA exam, uh, you know, eons ago, and, and went on to uh, uh, then earn the ACFRE credential. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about some of these other credentials, like uh, uh, ACFRE, FAHP. Uh, how do those relate to CFRE? What do, are, do you see them as competition? Uh, how, what about these other professional certifications that we see out there? Okay. Well, first, if I can just backtrack a little bit, Ted, before I get to that part of your question. One other thing I'd like people to know about the application process is that in addition to the years of professional practice, we also asked for what you've been doing in terms of your continuing education, your professional performance, that is, have you raised dollars or worked with management and communications activities for fundraising, and also your service. Uh, what, What have you done in a volunteer capacity? as part of the sort of the overall picture of the, your professional life. That and way, that's where we see uh, over in the radio links today, of course, we have information. Uh, those who have been listening for a while uh, know that uh, we'll be uh, hosting uh, this year's Digital Leap 2012 up in Toronto. That's going to be taking place on Thursday, May 3rd. And part of that process uh, is that the Digital Leap Conference is an approved provider uh, for CFRE continuing education. That's what you're talking about yes. uh, here. Um, but when you see that that uh, little logo, when you see, what does that mean? What are you actually earning um, if you attend a conference like uh, Digital Leap, which is available at digitalleap.org uh, or in the radio links for today's show? Those continuing education points can count toward your either your initial certification or your recertification. And the specific point requirements for, for each of those um, either the initial or the recertification is included in the application that's on our website. Okay, so there's a there's a minimum expectation that uh, above and beyond the job that you do, the success that you have, um, is that and the years of experience is that you are actually out there actively learning. That is correct, and again, we feel that's an important part of being that well-rounded professional that can really, you know, serve our organizations and serve our donors well. Great. What about these other uh, certifications out there that we see? Well, I, th- I think it's important to pe- for people to know that the ACFR cert- certification from uh, AFP and the FAHP designation from uh, from AHP, those are advanced level um designations. With CFRE, what we are really testing is a good, solid grounding that any professional should have at the five-year level in terms of professional practice and and ethical accountability for fundraising. Okay. So So, so that's really a baseline credential. For a lot of professionals, they should then look to, uh, to move into the advanced uh, certifications after they've renewed a couple of times um, at the CFRE level. You know, certainly. We do not view those, uh, those designations as competition. In fact, they're very complementary. They are meant for the advanced professional. 
uh, you know, we would just encourage people as they are, you know, considering the next step in their careers to also maintain their CFRE even as they are achieving those other credentials simply because of that role that we already talked about with CFRE really uh, showing that continuing dedication to continuing education. That's great. Now, not surprisingly, uh, you, we can imagine that the uh, chair, uh, then at that time, the chair of the board of, of CFRE that over uh, that was in charge of the search for you as the new CEO, uh, Sherilyn Hale, CFRE, uh, mm-hmm. stated uh, you know the, how comprehensive the search was, how pleased they were to have someone with your um, unique uh, uh, background of fundraising communications and knowledge of the certification. Uh, program. I was I was key, keying in on her comments that in in service to the profession, she's saying of CFRE International, uh, quote, we have ambitious goals and plans for the coming years, and of course she she pegs success of those goals uh, to your leadership, and so uh, congratulations on certainly being seen that way. Uh, give us a little bit of a view of what are those ambitious goals and what are the plans for the coming years. Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of the things that we really want to take a look at is that aspect of CFRE International. You know, clearly we are already established in five countries, but what does that mean in you know beyond that? What what do we need to think about in terms of truly serving the profession on a global scale? Um, and and one of the things that I too want to take a particular look at, and I'm really focusing on right now in my first you know few months in office. I really want to get out there, hear from CFREs, hear from our participating organizations, you know, really listen to what do can we do more of in order to support the profession as it grows. Because as you know, Ted, um, fundraising is just exploding around the globe. And we are dedicated to upholding, upholding the highest standards in you know, fundraising certification, in ethics, in the growth of the profession. So as that environment changes, you know, we need to think about that and really, you know, be ready to step into that role. Well, and of course, uh, that that's a very important role that uh, CFRA has been filling uh, for uh, for quite some time. Uh, I'm I'm wondering, uh, is there anything specific in terms of goals of uh, number of people who you feel should hold the uh, the, the designation of CFRE? Uh, countries that you're looking to grow in, and uh, will there be um, additional exams that are country-specific? Well, you know, Ted, right now we are taking a look at undergoing a a thorough strategic planning process to guide the organization for the coming years, and so I feel like it's a little bit premature for me to talk about specifics at this time, but certainly I'd love to come back on your show sometime and, and talk about that. Well, absolutely. You're always welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach, and we certainly hope that you uh, will use the uh, the Nonprofit Coach as a way to additionally get information out uh, to uh, to the sector, particularly when you're making any changes uh, of uh, of that sort. I know that uh, you always have your eye on the strength of uh, of the exam. What kind of feedback do you normally get from people who have taken the exam or um, are, are recertifying? Mm-hmm. I think for people who have initially taken the exam, um, we get a lot of elation back. Um, you know, as you've been following the the LinkedIn conversation with the CFRE International Network, you know, you no doubt seen the 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 posts from people who have just taken the exam, how thrilled they are. 
you know, what an experience it's been for them. And, and I think, too, from people I've talked with, just the, taking the exam is a real validation you know, of, of their knowledge as professionals. Um, I think they end up feeling you know, not only just good about themselves, but really having you know, additional confidence. And knowing that yes, indeed, you know they do have those base, those building blocks in place of professional practice and knowledge of the ethics of the profession. But, but think- Ava, you and I, you and I both know that you know for for some adults, taking an exam of this sort is absolutely frightening. Uh, just mm-hmm. you know, makes them stone cold. <laughs> um, how does uh, how does someone work through that kind of fear of exam? Mm. You know, and, and you know, I would agree, Ted. I think sometimes too, just because you know fundraisers are so, you know, dedicated to their job that the exam does take on that that extra level of importance to them. But I would say what people can do to really, you know, prepare for the exam and make it the most positive experience possible for them is first off to remember that the examination is a generalist exam. It focuses on established best practices and ethical standards in fundraising. And it's aimed for those at the five-year experience level. So I, I think people should not expect that they need to, to cram 20 years of professional knowledge into their heads for the exam. We are really looking at what should a, a solid generalist at the five-year experience level know. So how does uh, someone who you know, has a full-time job is, mm-hmm. is you know, working to uh, uh, you know, meet the goals of their organization, how do they prep for an exam of this sort? I think one of the best ways to do it, and something that I did when I was uh, preparing for the exam, is to take a look at the test content outline. We have that posted on our website at CFRE.org. And what I find with the test content outline is not only it's a good representation of what you will be being asked on the exam, but also by looking at it, you can take a look at your own work experience and reading in this profession and say, you know, these areas I feel confident in. I've got them covered. You know, maybe there are another couple areas in the test content outline where, you know, though a person thinks, you know, I've not had as much job experience in that area. You know, maybe I need to do a bit more reading or study. So I think that can help really, you know, individuals determine what is the best course of study for them. I also think it's important, though, to know your own learning style. Some people enjoy studying on their own, and it works great for them. Others, especially you know, extroverted fundraisers like ourselves, may benefit more from a group experience or um, a, a, a course. So, so there, so there really are multiple to ways to, uh, to prepare for this. I, I, I know just a, a few years ago you really sort of you, you could go to a prep course, mm-hmm. um, but that was really pretty much all that was available. Now there's a lot of options. Yes, and I think the thing to do is just to take a look at what those options are. I mean, certainly you know, the um, continuing education uh, points that we award to programs through CFRE is one way to help indicate where you may see um, you know, educational experiences that will help you in, in studying. Uh, but also, too, there are excellent courses out there you know, offered by various organizations that can give you sort of an overview perspective. So I would really take a look at the course or the test content outline and compare that to the course descriptions for you know anything you may be considering signing up for 
just to see how it matches up and to gauge if that's going to give you the kind of course experience you want. Now, oftentimes uh, these kinds of opportunities for brushing up uh, in, in preparation of the exam are offered through your member organizations, and I know it's a bit of an extensive list, but um, would you go through that list just so that our listeners know that if they have uh, a relationship with any of these organizations, that's also a, a place that they can go. Is that right? Um, that's correct. Um, our participating organizations, and, and we have a number of them, um, are the following. And so th this would be a place, if you're a member of any of these organizations, you might want to take a look and see, you know, are they offering courses that will be helpful for CFRE review. Um, right, I'll and if you're a member of those organizations and you don't see any classes of that sort or you don't see uh, anything that uh, could help you uh, get the CFRE uh, certification, you probably want to ask them why. Well, I will leave that to individual members to bring up. Um, but our, our participating organizations are the Association for Healthcare Philanthropy, the Association of Christian Development Professionals, the Association of Development and Alumni Professionals in Education, the Association of Christian Consultants, or excuse me, the Association of Fundraising Consultants, that was my error, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, the Association of Lutheran Development Executives, the Association of Philanthropic Council, the Canadian Association of Gift Planners Association, the uh, Council for Resource Development, the Fundraising Institute Australia, the Fundraising Institute New Zealand, the Giving Institute, the International Catholic Stewardship Council, the Kenya Association of Fundraising Professionals, the National Catholic Development Conference, the New England Association for Healthcare Philanthropy, North American YMCA Development Organization, Philanthropic Service for Institutions, United Way of America, and the Willamette Valley Development Officers. Okay. So it's, it's quite an extensive and global list. Is that uh, is that a list that's likely to grow? Are there other organizations that uh, that you feel should or, or will be uh, partnering with uh, CFRE in the in the coming year? Well, I know we always welcome partnerships with organizations that are serving the fundraising sector. So while I can't say anything definitively, you know, we are, exist to to partner with and grow the profession. Um, so we always want to work with uh, organizations to help do that. Absolutely. Uh, Ava, if you'll hang on there, we're just going to take a little bit of a break. One of the things that we always try to share here on The Nonprofit Coach uh, is information that can be helpful to the nonprofit sector, particularly those uh, things that can be obtained uh, free or low cost uh, that can help charities really advance uh, their management uh, and their fundraising potential. Uh, let's take a listen. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. 
YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. All of these services available at uh, google.com forward slash nonprofits. We're back here with Ava Aldrich, who is the brand new president and CEO of CFRE International. Uh, in the, the moments that we have left uh, here, Ava, um, bring us back to uh, the exam, CFRE International, and your first days as, as CEO. Uh, wrap all that up for us. Okay. Well, it's been a, a thrilling experience to get started here at CFRE. Um, it's also been really great to be able to, to get out of the gate first thing to talk to a lot of our uh, certificates and participating organizations. I've deeply enjoyed those conversations and just hearing from them you know, how much CFRE is appreciated, the role it plays, you know, and the opportunities, or opportunities we have to, to really you know, grow and serve the fundraising profession even better. Um, it's also been good just to, to talk with some individuals and you know, going back to one of the things we talked about earlier in the program, helping them understand the difference between the CFRE credential and educational offerings. Because I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding that it, it's an either-or proposition. I get the question many times when I'm talking with people. They ask, well, should I do the CFRE or should I do a certificate program or should I pursue a master's? And really, it's, it's a both and. It's not an either or. Um, the educational activities that people do support then their efforts to get the CFRA or CFRE credential. So I think it's really sort of a powerful combination of the best of continuing education and academic education coming together and helping you know, build people's um, knowledge and expertise in advance of sitting for the CFRP. Right. And of course, it, it points to you as a professional. Um, Ava, before uh, we run out of time here, how can uh, people reach you? Okay, They can reach me uh, here at our CFRE office, and the easiest place to find that information is to go to our website at www.cfre.org. They can also feel free to email me if they'd like at eAldrich at cfre.org. But and uh, the spelling of that is uh, the, the letter E, and then the last name is A-L-D-R-I-C-H at CFRE.org? That is correct. Terrific. And You're going to be up uh, at the uh, AFP International Conference up in Vancouver. We certainly are. So I would encourage people to stop by the booth there. I would love to talk with them. That's probably the, uh, the next big opportunity for people to get a chance to uh, meet you. Of course, I'll be up there. And, uh, Ava, I hope uh, we do uh, run into each other and get an opportunity to uh, say hello. Uh, this is my opportunity to thank you 
for spending the time with us here on the big anniversary show, second anniversary show of the Nonprofit Coach. Next week here on the Nonprofit Coach, 12 noon Eastern, March 13th. Don't miss the opportunity uh, to chat with Margaret Battistelli, the uh, editor-in-chief of Fundraising Success Magazine. And today, Ava Aldrich, the brand-new CEO and president at CFRE, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much, Ted. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach.